You guys are looking good. You have a nice view up here, Jeff. You guys should try this sometime. You look good. All right. You watch me struggle with this for a minute. I'll figure it out. All right. Well, for those of you I haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Tracy. Um, I belong in the house with Jeff. <laughs> and um, so uh, before I get started this morning, just wanted to, um, first of all, for those of you who were here Friday night for the Lighthouse Ministries um, event, thank you. Thank you for your participation. Thank you for partnering. Lighthouse Ministries is a ministry here in the area that um, serves women who are coming out of domestic violence and helps them find hope and future and move forward into what they've always been capable of. And we had an incredible event here. Um, the lights, I asked Sarah to leave those up just because I thought they were beautiful. So those are going to be up for a couple of weeks. Um, incredible evening here Friday night. We got to hear some beautiful stories from three of the women that are a part of the house. Um, if you were here, I'm sure you were as blessed as I was. If you weren't, grab Sarah. Can you just raise your hand? If, take a minute this morning and ask Sarah about what happened Friday night. I don't want to share because it's her story, but it was really incredible. It was an amazing night. So those of you who participated, thank you. Thanks for being a part of that. Um, before I dig in this morning, um, this is the first chance that I've had to be able to stand up here on a Sunday morning. I've gotten to share at women's retreats a few times, but this is the first time I've been here on a Sunday morning. So I want to share with you a few things about myself. Some of you know me well, some of some we've never met before. Um, first of all and foremost is I love Jesus with all of my heart, and I don't know what I would do without him. And the verse that really resonates with me is when um, in John chapter 6, when Jesus had asked his disciples, are you, are you guys going to desert me too? A bunch of people had just left because they didn't like the message that Jesus was giving, and he asked them, are you going to leave me too? And Simon Peter responded to him, Lord, where would we go? And... That, that resonates with me and in my spirit, where I don't know where else I would go and what else I would do without Jesus in my life. Secondly, as I mentioned, I'm a wife to Jeff. We've been married for 26 years. Um, to save you all from trying to do mental math and figure out what that means, we got married when we were 21. We met in college. That makes me 47 years old, so you can stop the wheels turning. <laughs> and loving every minute of it. 40s are great. Um, also the mom to two amazingly beautiful souls who are polar opposites from one another, and I am so proud of each of them for very, very different reasons. So I love my kids. Um, if you haven't met my sweet boy, Dylan, <laughs> give a little wave. He, he's just a, a joy and a delight, the light of our home. He's going to be leaving us soon, so I'm trying to cherish every moment we've got with him. He's a senior this year. Um, next is, I am the Director of Conferences and Events for World Vision, which is an international development and relief organization. And I have the privilege of leading a team of people that planned relational fundraising events all around the country to raise money to save kids' lives. So it's pretty awesome. Um, it's a lot of hard work. It takes me away, and I travel quite often. So um, if I'm gone on a Sunday morning... It has nothing to do with maybe what happened on the way to church on Sunday morning. <laughs> um, it's probably because I'm somewhere else in the country um, throwing a really fun party so that kids can have fullness of life. 
Um, and next is, and is I am a textbook introvert. So if we haven't met, and you come up to me in the lobby to talk to me, and I seem like I'm a little bit of a deer in the headlights, or like I'm a little bit panicked, it has nothing to do with you, it's all about me, I'm horrible at small talk, and super socially awkward one-on-one. So I own it, it's okay, just press through, and keep talking to me, and I'll, I'll, I'll relax a little bit. So I, I have a good friend in college that I am still good friends with, she was my college roommate, and she loves to watch me meet people for the first time. And she'll come up afterwards, and she's like, that was just so much fun. You were so awkward. Like, I know. But I'm 47, so I'm just going to own it at this point. Um, any other introverts in the room that can relate to that? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. All right. Um, so that's enough about me. Let's talk about Jesus. Um, so I'm going to invite you to go ahead and stand with me this morning. I'm a firm believer that our words matter, that the things that come out of our mouths make a difference. Proverbs 18.21 tells us that we held the power of death and life in our tongues. And um, I know at least during the week I have all kinds of things that fly off my tongue that are less than life-giving. And I'd like to take a few minutes this morning for us collectively just to speak life to one another and to speak life into this room. So we've got, I think we've got Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 14 up on the screen. Are you ready up there? Not yet? All right. So if you want to read together with me. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born. Oh, are you reading a different version than me? I'll come out here and I'll read with you. All right. A time for giving and a time for dying, a time for planting and a time for uprooting what was planted, a time for killing and a time for healing, a time for tearing down and a time for building up, a time for crying and a time for laughing, a time for mourning and a time for dancing, a time for throwing stones and a time for gathering stones, a time for embracing and a time for avoiding braces. A time for searching and a time for losing. A time for keeping and a time for throwing away. A time for tearing and a time for repairing. A time for keeping silent and a time for speaking. A time for loving and a time for hating. A time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from all their hard work? I have observed the task that God has given human beings. God has made everything fitting in its time, but also has placed eternity in their hearts without enabling them to discover what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there's nothing better for them but to enjoy themselves and to do what's good while they live. Moreover, This is the gift of God, that all people should eat, drink, and enjoy the results of their hard work. I know that whatever God does will last forever. It's impossible to add to it or take away from it. God has done this so that people are reverent before him. All right, you can go ahead and be seated. Thank you. Does anybody else have a little musical earworm playing in their head? Should we do a little generational test? 
for everything. <laughs> All right. Um, I want to look back at um, verse 11 um, through 14. He's made everything beautiful um, in its time. Um, the version I have here says also he has put eternity into man's heart so that he cannot find out what God has done from beginning to end. And then in verse 14, I perceived whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nothing taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him or so that people will be reverent before him or will be awestruck for him. I love those so that's. Um, we do that quite a bit in, in my workplace when we're trying to make decisions. Somebody will come up with an idea and we'll ask that question. You know, I, we want to bring an electronic registration system to our event so that, so that it's easier for people to register, so that, so that they can get to their tables quicker, so that, so that they can begin having conversations with one another without waiting in line. So we, we use that quite a, get to, quite a bit to get to the bottom of why are people asking for what they're asking for. So that, that jumped out at me. I love it. He made everything beautiful in its time so that people cannot find out what God has done to beginning and end. God's work and timing are an incredible sovereign mystery. We don't see the whole picture. It's designed that way. It's called faith. Um, and then in verse 14, I perceived whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it or taken away from it so that people are reverent before him. People are awestruck by him. Um, the theologian Matthew Henry wrote an incredible passage about this book that I'd like to share with you. It says, everything is, is as God made it, not as it appears to us. We have the world so much in our hearts. We are taken up so much with the thoughts and cares of worldly things that we have neither time nor spirit to see God's hand in them. The world has not only gained possession of the heart, but has formed thoughts against the beauty of God's work. We mistake if we think we were born for ourselves. It is our business to do good in this life, which is short and uncertain. We have but little time to be doing good. Therefore, we should redeem the time. So time's been on my mind a lot lately. I mentioned earlier that Jeff and I have been um, married for 26 years, and this year also marks the 25th anniversary that we've been in pastoral ministry together and since we graduated from college. Um, and we got an invitation in the mail this couple weeks ago from our college inviting us to our 25th college um, reunion, which just seems impossible to me. <clears throat> but first of all, it featured a picture of some old guy that was the keynote speaker. Number one, he did not look remotely familiar to me, and I did not recognize his name. And we only had, what, about 100 people in our graduating class? 120? So I'm thinking, you know, I'm not really good at remembering things, but did you remember him? Jeff said he never didn't remember him either. So I'm looking at this guy thinking, oh my gosh, do I look that old? <laughs> So the only, the only, the story that I'm telling myself about that is that he must have been a returning adult student that came back much later in life and went to night school, and that's why I don't recognize him. We're not going to the reunion, so I don't ever have to have that myth busted. If you guys find out differently, don't tell me. 
I don't want to know. <laughs> I'm going with he's 15 to 20 years older than me. Um, seriously. Um, as I was looking at it, I, I got I, a little bit reflective, and I was thinking, you know, I would have never imagined 25 years ago when we graduated from college the path that life would take us on. Um, over the past 25 years, as I'm sure all of you have, um, we've experienced incredible victory and joy and pain and distress. Um, we've had laughter and tears and despair and peace and turmoil, all of those things outlined in Ecclesiastes 3 have been a part of our journey over the past 25 years. But one thing's remained the same and that God has been faithful through every step and every misstep of my life. He's walked with me. But that brings us back to the so that, so that what? So that the people around me will be awestruck by God's work in my life, so that people will be reverent before God and inspired to awe before him. That's the ultimate purpose. I think it's incredible that we serve a God who cares deeply and intimately about each of us individually and our individual journeys, and at the same time is working all of that together for the greater purpose of the world as well, and that both things can be equally true. My life has a much greater purpose than my individual journey. Your life has a much greater purpose than your individual journey. Your journey matters. Your journey matters greatly to God. And the way he's using you to work in other people's lives matters as well, too, both at the same time. <laughs> um, I'll tell you another story about time. A little story about the Hebrew people. So back in Genesis, sorry, in Genesis 15, Abraham, who's the great father of our faith, has a discussion of God, and God makes a promise to Abraham. Genesis 15, starting in verse chapter 12, said, it says, the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a terrifying darkness came over him. The Lord said to Abram, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, and in the end they will come away with great wealth. And skipping down to verse 18, he says, so the Lord made a covenant with Abraham that day and said, I have given this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt. So a promise was first made to Abraham, Genesis 15. If you skip forward to Genesis 26, you see that promise was reaffirmed to Abraham's son Isaac. And then in Genesis 28, to Isaac's son Jacob. And then you skip down to Genesis 37. This is such a fun story to read if you read it beginning to end. Genesis 37 takes us down to Jacob, Abraham's grandson. And we start his story there where Jacob had 12 sons. He had a very favorite son whose name was Joseph. He made him an, an incredibly beautiful coat. Some might call, call it an amazing technicolor dream coat. Um, God spoke to Joseph through some visions, and Joseph bragged about those visions to his brothers. His ten older brothers didn't take very kindly to that, got really jealous, and sold him to some traveling Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt and sold him as a slave. Once in Egypt, 
Joseph is faithful with the days that God's given him. He serves the Pharaoh. He rises in power. The Pharaoh's wife tries to seduce him. Joseph does the right thing and runs, but the Pharaoh's wife lies about it, and Joseph gets imprisoned anyway. And he's forgotten, and basically forgotten to rot in jail. He then rises to power again because he's able to interpret one of Pharaoh's dreams, and Pharaoh brings him out of, out of jail and brings him into his court. Now, Joseph is strategically positioned when a huge famine hits the land, and his brothers, who have no idea whatever happened to him after they, sold him into, after they sold him to these Ishmaelites, end up in front of him begging for food twice. They don't recognize him, and so Joseph, naturally, being the little brother that he is, messes with them a little bit, <laughs> but eventually reveals himself as their long-lost brother. The entire family's reunited, reunited, and they all move to Egypt. Pretty incredible. But 430 years go by. Hebrew people are extremely prolific, and they start to outnumber the Egyptians, who are still in power. The Egyptians are threatened by them, and so they start to enslave them and oppress them because they're afraid they're going to take over. And then God says, enough is enough, and calls, calls Moses to lead them out. So that takes us into the book of Exodus, where we see the, the journey of the Hebrew people out of Egypt again, which, by the way, was the promised land that we thought was promised backwards. They, um, so in Exodus, we see the plagues. We've got, them parting, we've got them walking across the parting of the Red Sea, the Mount Sinai and the Ted Commandments, the golden calf. The law is given a second time to Moses because he breaks the first set because he's mad. The distribution of the land, the instructions on building the tabernacle, the spying out of the promised land, the fear and the refusal to trust God to fulfill his promises. Forty more years in the wilderness, the death of Moses, the march on Jericho, and finally entering the promised land. Talk about in his time. Way back when, the promise made to Abraham, 400 years, and we see God's promise fulfilled. Now, do you think that back when Abram received that promise, he would have ever imagined what that promise fulfilled looked like? Oh. But he wasn't called to know it all. He was called to be obedient as long as he lived with the days that he'd been given. The outcomes and the fulfilled promises belong to God in his time so that people will be reverent before him. I love this story. Um, and the thing that I love about it is our, at least my human brain tries to force me into this whole story with Joseph of, well, did God cause Joseph to be sold into slavery so that he'd be in Egypt, so that when this happened, or did God use the fact that Joseph was in Egypt to be able to save his people? And I love it because I don't have to decide. It's not up to me. Wherever you fall on the spectrum between Calvinism and Arminianism, the predestination, total free will, the end message is the same, and that's that God is working in and through every season of our life to make things beautiful. In his own time, for the ultimate end of bringing glory to him. So whether you believe he's 
causing or redeeming our struggles, the message is the same. And that's what we see in Romans 8.28, that we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. I think the line, according to his purposes, gets lost a little bit in that. We, we like to linger on the God causes everything to work together for good for me. And that's where we start to get a little bit lost because it's hard to find the good when things don't look so good. But the called according to his purposes and the in his time and the great mysteries that we don't understand beginning to end, what he's doing is so freeing in that because all we have to do is stand and say, God, we know you're faithful and you, we know that you are working through this. You know, God's purposes have always been countercultural. You, you know, I've heard it talked about as an upside-down kingdom. We see in scripture, the first shall be last. Whoever wants to be great has to be the servant. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life. It's all countercultural to what everything in the world is telling us to do and who we should be. So what does it look like? What does it look like to live counterculturally in our world that we're in today? Matthew 5, in one of Jesus' first sermons that he gave, um, called the Sermon on the Mount, um, I'm just distracted. I forgot to turn my ringer off on my phone. Thank you. (laughs) Jeff's helping me out. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) All right. (laughs) This is real life, people. Um, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. Jesus is talking with a crowd of people who have who've come before him, and he's telling them, what does it look like? What does it look like to live a kingdom life? Uh, Verse 14 through 16, um, and this is out of the message, reads like this. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Isn't that beautiful? That's it. We don't see the beginning to the end. We don't know the full scope of the spectrum that God's doing. But what do we have control over? Keep an open house. Be generous with your lives. Open up to others so that people will be able to see this generous Father in heaven. So the real challenge and the challenge that I run up against is can we change our mindsets? We we live in a world where we feel like our story is our story, And when I close my book or when I walk out of a room, my story there ends and my story follows me. But that's not true. We've got all these other stories that are happening here that are all interwoven together. 
and we all impact each other in an incredible way that we don't even know. We don't know the impact we're making on others. So can we get outside of our own heads enough to see ourselves as an, see our lives as an opportunity for God's glory, God's redeeming power to work and shine through us to impact the lives of others around us? Back to Ecclesiastes 3, yet God has made everything beautiful for his own time. He's planted eternity in human heart, but even so, people can't see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. I know whatever God does is final. Nothing can be added to it or taken away from it. God's God's purpose is that people should be reverent before him. It's a full picture of God's heart for this world. He cares intimately about the details of your day-to-day life. And he cares just as deeply and intimately about the whole state of all of humanity. Somehow in his sovereignty, both things are able to be true at the same time. And we don't have to figure it out. He's working all things together for good. I love the 23rd Psalm. It has been a staple in my life through all seasons of life. What I love about it is it's the perfect image of God's intimate, close relationship to us through every season of our life. We may not see the whole picture, but we don't have to because we have a trustworthy shepherd who is in control and walking with us. He's our source, our protector, our rest, our comforter, and our provider, and we can trust him. So I'd like to invite you to stand with me one more time and speak life, speak life to one another, speak life into the room. We're going to read through the 23rd Psalm. I'm going to come down here just in case it's a different version than I have on my paper. All right. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. All right, you can go ahead and be seated. I want to encourage you this week as you go out your day-to-day life, to be looking for opportunities for people to be able to see God's light shine through you. And maybe that's through a tough time that you're going through, and they see your reaction and your dependence on him. They see your willingness and vulnerability to be able to keep open house with them amidst pain. Or maybe like Isaac had stated earlier, you're going through a really great week, and you're in an opportunity to be generous and pour out support and love on on others. 
But I want to encourage you this week as we go out to be thinking through that, through every stage of our life. What is the so that? So that people will be reverent before God. Go ahead and close in prayer. Father God, I thank you for your incredible hand of grace, for your comfort, your peace, your provision on each of our lives. Lord, in this week as we go out about our day-to-day business, I pray that we would keep close at mind that you are working in and through us so that people will see how incredibly awesome and powerful and mighty and loving you are. Father, help us to be light bearers. Help us to shine our light bright so that people can see what you're, how you are working, both through the good and the bad. Help us to keep open house with one another. Father, and for those who are struggling this week, I pray that you would, would be that sweet, sweet whisper in their ear that just says, I'm here. I see you. I love you. I care. And I'm walking with you through this valley. And for those who are feasting at the table, that you would help them to be able to see that you are rejoicing with them through the good. Lord, bless and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift his countenance on you and give you peace. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Right. Thank you. you can go ahead and enjoy some snacks and some community together. Well, I thought that I had seen most everything. And it changed.